0: The battle for the U.S. Congress. In a month from now, Democrats and Republicans will fight for control of legislative power. So what's at stake this time in the U.S. midterm elections? And is Joe Biden in danger of becoming a lame duck president? I'm Hazem Seeker, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, let's bring in our guest now to talk more about this, all from the United States. From Burlington, Vermont, Arshad Hassan is a Democratic political strategist. From Rye, New Hampshire, Shannon Adler is a political commentator and host of The Shannon Show. And joining us from Arlington, Virginia, James Davis, a Republican strategist and founder and president of Touchdown Strategies. Good to have you all uh, with us. Shannon Adler, if I could start with you. Uh, Now, midterms traditionally don't generate uh, as much interest among voters in the U.S. as presidential elections. But this time around, it seems to be different. There there does seem to be uh, a lot more uh, uh, engagement. Um, Talk to us about about why that is and and what's at stake in this election.
1: That's right. Historically, midterm elections are kind of a rating snoozer. Half of the electorate votes uh, for the presidential election and even less vote during midterms. A midterm is kind of a referendum on how a sitting president is doing. It's in the middle of a term. Um, and the fact that we're even having this conversation a month out from a midterm, not a presidential election, is proof positive that this is things are different this time around. And not only that, usually when you're talking about midterms, the story peg is what are the uh, polls saying? Like that's kind of the sexiest thing that you can sort of begin the conversation with. And that is the least of it this time around. I mean, there are so many big issues and it is highly unusual for midterm elections to become such a huge national and international story that we're even having this conversation um, is proof of that.
0: James Davis, I know Shannon touched on this a little bit, but to what extent is this uh, a referendum on on President Biden's uh, term in office so far?
2: You know, I think that's part of it, but these races are just as much about local dynamics as they are about Washington and the Biden administration's policies. But make no mistake, the Biden administration's policies are weighing Democrats down. you are looking at two issues that are primarily driving voters today. Uh, That's inflation. Um, There's a lot of uncertainty in this economy. Costs are are rising significantly, uh, and they're outpacing wages significantly. And then the second is a rise in violent crime that we've seen across many uh, communities in in the country. Um, And... I want to flavor that a little bit, though, because while these are national issues and while national narratives have driven a part of, of, of this, uh, there's some local dynamics at play that are very different. So if you look at a state like Georgia, um, Georgia, inflation is actually hitting states like Georgia harder because Uh, it has a disparate impact on uh, low-cost living states. Uh, And so you see that it's gonna have a big impact, particularly outside of Atlanta. And then you see a, a a major rise in violent crime in Atlanta you're actually three times more likely uh, to be um, uh, impacted by violent crime in Atlanta than you are in Chicago. These are terrible, terrible numbers. Uh, You have a governor's race there where, you know, um, the governor has done many smart on crime policies and been a good criminal justice reform advocate. Um, Formerly, Stacey Abrams was more on, let's defund the police, and now she's attacking him for being soft on crime. You don't see that in a lot of places around the country.
0: Uh, Arshad Hassan, I know you probably want to get your take on, on some of what you've heard there, but I want to ask you as well about the whole issue of abortion, something we mentioned at the top there, and how this has become uh, a lightning rod for, for many traditional Democrats and women because of that Supreme Court um, decision. Uh, how much is that going to galvanize people as well?
3: How much? It is the most galvanizing issue of this election. Democrats are running on rights and freedoms, and top of which is our right to decide whether or when to start a family. If you take a look at what voters are doing, what's motivating them, you've seen a huge and unprecedented spike in the number of voters registering to vote for the first time, mostly led by young women. And that's true in all 50 of our states. So what, and that's something that's hard for the polls to measure or, or or sort of predict for us. The same thing is true with polling. The same thing is true with individual fundraising, what we're seeing is an unprecedented amount of enthusiasm led by this issue, which our polling says is one of the best, if not one of the, if not the highest salience issue that's out there. Literally yesterday, as you mentioned, we had rallies, and again, in all 50 states, supporting reproductive rights. Here, this is more than just a simple referendum. This is a crossroads with Donald Trump again inserting himself in this uh in this election cycle voters see that they have a choice of going backwards with the repealing of their rights or going forwards with some of the policies that we've had that have helped students pay off their loans help people cap medical prescription prices these are popular policies and you see that in biden's own polling has has been going up and it's motivating it is driving voters to cast their ballots, register to vote, give small contributions. That's why we're seeing such an unusual midterm this time around. Democrats are highly and unusually motivated. And in a midterm election, we're really it's really a contest between how much each side can motivate its base. So for us, for Democrats, it's looking much better than usual. Um, J- James Davis, let me turn back to you. Um,
0: uh, I want to ask you about this whole issue of... Um, uh, respecting the democratic process and, and, and the, 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 the results of the election. A majority, uh, according to The Washington Post, a majority of Republican nominees on the ballot in this November for not just the House and Senate, but also some key statewide offices, 299 in all have either denied or questioned the outcome of the last presidential uh, election. Is that something that could sh- should concern all Americans when they go to the polls?
2: I think that uh, if you look back, you know, first you had Hillary Clinton uh, refuse to accept the, the the outcome of the election. We've seen this from Republicans and Democrats, unfortunately. We were talking about Georgia earlier. Stacey Abrams refused to accept the outcome of the election, um, and so this is a this is a real problem in American politics, and uh, and I don't think it has a partisan bent one way or another. Uh, the simple truth is, as Americans, we all need to come together and develop a process that can be fair uh, and that people, and particularly voters, can, can have trust in. Uh, so I, I completely uh, believe that this is something that we should take off the table as a partisan issue and pull, put together uh, Republicans and Democrats to unify around some solutions.
0: All right. Well, just to pick up on a couple of things you said there, you said Hillary Clinton refused to accept the results of the 2016, she gave her concession speech on that election the next day. And as I said at the beginning of this question, all of the, the 299 that I mentioned, all of them are Republicans who have either uh, denied or questioned the outcome of the 2020 election. How problematic is that for uh, Republicans?
2: In terms of politically how problematic it is, I don't think it's uh, politically problematic. I don't think that most Americans are going to go vote based on that or not. Um, But, you know, when you, if you do express, you know, concern around legitimacy of voting, you have to wonder if that's going to impact your own turnout. Uh, And so, you know, I, I think that it would be wise for Republicans and Democrats to really focus on the issues themselves and then for the Congress to come together and solve some of the changes uh, some of the some of the problems uh, and address the issues with voter integrity um, so that Americans can have more faith in election outcomes.
0: All right, Shannon Adam, let me turn to you on this. Um, to what ex- extent then is from what you've seen is the whole issue of, of democracy uh, at stake here in, in this in these midterm elections?
1: I'm glad you passed the baton to me. I'm that 299 GOP folks who are running for office uh, don't accept that President Biden won is a significant, significant thing to look at. And what people aren't really talking about are the Secretary of State elections. Don't those don't usually get generate as much press, as much buzz as House, Senate gubernatorial elections, but those are really critically important. And in a lot of states, it's the secretaries of state who certify election results. So in Michigan, Arizona, Nevada, you've got uh, folks running for secretary of state who have made it clear that they uh, do not accept uh, that Biden won and that they will uh, tip the scales, so to speak, perhaps in the future. And that is... That's just not getting a lot of coverage. And quite frankly, as I speak for myself, I only speak for myself. As an American, we we are nothing if we do not have democratic elections. There are things that both parties do that absolutely eat away at the core of democracy, whether it's the gazillions of millions spent on every election. In fact, over $250 million has been spent thus far just on the Senate campaigns in Ohio and Pennsylvania alone. Each U.S. presidential election costs about a billion dollars. So think about, I mean, that's the debt of many countries around the world, and that's just what's spent here. It's its mind-boggling. Um, I... Secondly, you have, yes, we have gerrymandering and redistricting, where we literally kind of draw a map. Um, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. It's, it's, it's done all the time to sort of to uh, solidify a district for a particular representative, be they Democrat or Republican. My point is, these things are deeply problematic. But they are nothing compared to if we do not have, if we do not trust in the uh, outcomes of our elections. I, I, the country that I grew up in kind of ceases to exist. Uh,
0: when that happens, it's 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 enormous. Um, Arshad Hassan, uh, you know, I know you mentioned earlier about abortion being a being a major issue uh, for for people on the left. But this this whole issue of uh, of recognizing the results of the election and and, and uh, what Shannon was talking about there about the whole concept of democracy itself, this is something that has also uh, motivated a lot of people on the left uh, to want to vote in these
3: in these elections. That's correct. Democracy is absolutely on the ballot this midterm election, which is an unusual thing to say, but we live in unusual political times. And there is no equivalence to be drawn between what the Trump Republicans are claiming and campaigning on and what most Americans believe in having a fair, open and honest election. This is this has not just national implications, but as uh, as we've been talking about also has local state elections. Most of our elections are administered on the state and local level. And that's why it is, in fact, so important, you're right, to talk about secretaries of states and governors, many of whom, again, are running on a platform of election denial. This, there isn't an equivalent on the other side. And that is why it is so important for all of us. This is true on a, on even on a sort of a basic level. You see one side, the Republican side, also acting to ban books in libraries at a very local level, and then denying elections on a national level. When we say the stakes are high, that it's about our rights and our freedoms, all of that is on the ballot this time around, and that is why there is so much interest this time around. All right, let's turn to
0: something we haven't uh, talked about much so far, um, but it is, it is very much an issue in these midterms as well, and that's the whole issue of the U.S. economy. Um, James Davis... Uh, how much of this is going to be on on voters minds uh, as they go to the polls then particularly with with the challenges of, of, of high inflation um, and jobs and so on and m- many predictions about a recession coming next year and all of that
2: I think that that this is the easily the number one issue in the election um, people vote with you know uh, based off of of how they're doing are they doing better than they did previously and uh um and, and quite frankly with the rise in gas prices uh and energy costs food costs i mean we've seen just massive inflation overall and wages are staying pretty stagnant uh relatively uh and then we have a kind of a, a unique housing market now you know where we were going through a nice boom for such a long period of time and uh it certainly uh is giving a lot of people um some some real concern now if you're about to retire you're thinking about retiring or you were thinking about retiring you're probably not thinking about retiring anymore when you look at your 401k um i mean people have try to do the right thing and put money away to you know to to be able to retire and and to be able to kind of live out the last years of their life uh and unfortunately runaway spending has continued to drive inflation i mean we're over 31 trillion dollars in debt. I mean, this is a very significant marker. We cannot keep spending at this rate. And then, you know, we want to throw away political uh, kind of tools of, uh, you know, college loan forgiveness, which disproportionately impact people who went to college and reasonably have a higher paying job at this point. And so we've got to stop with all of the, of the reckless spending.
0: Shannon Adler. Regardless of, of how the economy is is progressing and and who who is in charge, it is the, the the current administration that's going to going to either be blamed for it or take the credit for it. Is that is that not the case?
1: Yes, and in fact, I was one of those uh, student loans that um, <clears throat> that was um, you know affected by it, and I think that's now been rescinded by the administration. Certain folks no longer qualify. Um, I think many who are watching. Uh, myself included took their sweet time paying down those student loans sort of hoping they would they would they would go away but they have not um I I economy is always a big issue that's just until now until the end of time that's going to be a big deal but you've got I mean around my neighborhood um I jog a couple t- uh, times a week certainly not for speed but um I'm seeing sign all kinds of signs a uh, dem Republican both but you see a lot of signs that say row 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 the vote. Um, and folks are really fired up about those core issues.
0: Uh, Arshad Hassan, um, there are a, a lot of uh, economic challenges that, that uh, millions of Americans are facing, uh, and many of them will, will look to the president uh, for that. Is, that. is that fair?
3: So I think what we do is we focus on what it is the president can do or what it is that Congress can do. And some of the actions that he's taken have a significant effect on the everyday lives, the everyday pocketbooks of Americans. Again, why his approval rating is, going, is beginning to go back up. So if you take a look, look at education debt, it's something that we, it's very American that people go into massive amounts, six figure amounts of debt to just go to college. To have a portion of that for many people, millions of people forgiven, makes a huge economic impact. I know when I was paying my student loans, it was nearly as much as paying for rent. It prohibits me from making any kind of economic investment or thinking ahead to the future. With that burden lifted, it's a relief to millions of people. Or even medical debt, which is something that millions of Americans have. Again, uniquely the United States is full of people with medical debt. Now with capping drug prices, so insulin now is capped at $35 a dose, whereas it used to go up to over hundreds even though it takes pennies to make. This and a number of other drugs being capped affects people at every economic level and prevents more medical debt. These are core economic issues that, yes, absolutely do affect people. But let's also not re- let's not forget that reproductive choices, those are medical choices and they have an economic impact. So when you do see row, row, row the vote in reference to the Supreme Court ruling it is an indication that again unusually economic issues aren't always going to be the most salient issues when people's own livelihoods their choices their rights their freedoms are at stake but both in terms of what the president can do and has done has made has done a lot of a number of popular steps to help people's everyday pocketbooks uh, and in terms of the big fundamental issues of rights and democracy we're seeing an unusual election year
0: just just to pick up on that issue of the of the of the college loan forgiveness, because this is, has come up quite a lot um, as, uh, in terms of the, the politics of this, um, because there are people out there, who non-college-educated Americans, who are looking at this and saying, why are my taxes going to pay for people who went to college who, who can't pay off their debts and knew exactly what they were getting into from the beginning? What, what do you say to that?
3: For the most part, somebody who's not making a great deal of money isn't paying a great deal to get rid of student loan debts. These debts are gonna be relieved over a period of time and they'll affect people who are generally more middle class. So there is a sort of a false notion out there that the the debt is gonna be relieved for very wealthy people. But for the most part, these are middle income people. It's difficult to get a good job without even a regular, without even a bachelor's degree here. And yet people go into tens and tens of thousands of dollars of debt for it. I graduated with $64,000 in debt and no, I did not know that it was going to be that much. Our family took an economic downturn and we had to figure out whether I was going to continue to go to that college or transfer to another college or not go to a college. An 18 year old isn't always going to know that they're going to get into $100,000 worth of debt, debt that uniquely among other kinds of debt cannot be relieved through the normal bankruptcy process. So it is important for an economic policy that is targeted at millions and millions of Americans um, that has gotten way out of control for us to be able to see some relief right. for that. Now, I don't actually even think it's enough. I think there needs to be structural change here as well. But for this to happen now is a major issue for all of us, and I think it's a good one. James
0: Davis, regardless of of, of what the results are uh, of this in in November, do you see issues on which Republicans and Democrats can come together?
2: I certainly hope so. Uh, look, I'm part of uh, Public Safety Solutions for America, and that really comes around uh, four principles that we're really trying to drive a comprehensive approach to smart on crime policies that can target and isolate and end violent crime in our cities. And uh, we're seeing you know, a lot of good movement with that. Uh, I believe that both Republicans and Democrats can come together, hopefully, on, on issues that are important like that. Uh, I believe that um, we're going to have to grapple with energy costs, uh, whether we like it or not. And it's not as simple as being electric or traditional fossil fuels. We need an all-of-above the uh, approach when it comes to energy and really allowing freedom and flexibility for the market to produce energy for Americans I mean when we're having to turn off you know our lights during the day in some parts of, of states uh because of bad policies that have been enacted overall or when we saw Texas freeze over uh folks that didn't have that were more reliant on on electricity and electric uh, electrical grid went down uh, they were they were freezing there so I mean we need smart policies and it's not so it doesn't have to be so divisive. Immigration is another issue that I hope that our Congress can come together to solve. We have an issue at the border uh, and we see you know uh, tons of immigrants flooding into our country, but th- we need a process around that, right? We need to be able to really bring in and accept anyone who wants to contribute positively to our society, but we need some order and security at the border as well. I think that's an opportunity. I mean, I could go on and on. Healthcare should be an opportunity. Uh, Instead of doing more government intervention in healthcare, I would like to see a personal option in healthcare, which gives patients more control and choice over their healthcare. Um, There's so many opportunities. Telehealth within healthcare should be a a great opportunity. Why can't we make that permanent? We've seen great increases uh, in use of uh, telehealth.
0: We're going to have to we're going to have to leave it there. We're out of time. Thank you very much to all three of you, Ashad Hassan, Shannon Adler, and James Davis. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Muhammad El Aishi, Nihad El Abedi, Asaba Mutlu, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Alvaro Galan. The program was edited by Vinish Velilath, Lynn Wien, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Wednesday.